Welcome to another episode of the Good Old Days podcast. I'm Jasmine, and I'm happy to be introducing another episode in our Saturday morning short stack series. To keep up with all we're doing, or if you want to suggest future episodes, please follow us on our socials, so Facebook and Instagram, that's at the Good Old Days Pod. On Twitter, that is at the Good OD Pod, or you can send us a good old email, and that's the Good Old Days Pod at gmail.com. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a clip from our Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire episode. So if you haven't already, go ahead and listen to that before or after this. This is just going to provide you a little bit more context. Maggie and I are talking about, first of all, the owners of the Triangle Factory, and then we're going to go into some more information on the strike that happened just two years before in 1909. So this should give you a little bit more in-depth behind the scenes and also show you some of the research we've done into this topic. There were so many sources and so many different avenues to take with this, and it's just while tragic, also very fascinating. That being said, I'm going to let Maggie take it away. The owners of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, two men named Max Blank and Isaac Harris. Uh, They were both Russian immigrants. They had immigrated to the United States in the early 1890s. They uh, ended up going into business together. They had both worked in the garment industry. And they go into business together in 1902, and they start the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory uh, in the Ash Building. Uh, Their business by 1908 was earning about a million dollars per year. But they were not without their woes. Keep in mind, this is at a a major point in the labor movement. So people are going to strike, and Triangle is not going to be exempt from the strikes. So, Jasmine, what happens in 1909? So in 1909, an event happens known as the shirtwaist strike or the uprising of 20,000. And essentially, workers just get up and walk away from their workstations. They're trying to disrupt the work in order to garner better wages, better working hours, and better safety conditions for themselves. Now, while all of this is happening, Triangle will claim that actually – They are paying a minimum of $8 per week, and over half of their workers make $16. That's their claim to the newspapers, and it's entirely false, um, as 20,000 people will attest to as they walk away from their machines. And this becomes quite a dangerous endeavor. Most of these workers don't have any savings. They have nothing to fall back on, and the union that is supporting this at the time That's the local 25 is what it's called. It's a very poor union. When this strike starts, they have $4 in their account. So it's not exactly going to cover all of these workers' rent and living expenses for an extended period of time while they strike. And, And most people didn't even consider this a fully formed union. It's super weak. It has no money. And to make things worse, Tammany Hall, the political machine, is what they're up against. Like you said, Tamney Hall um, band together with the factory owners and they hire muscle. Um, 
And the way they do this, because 70% of the workers are female and about 50% of those workers are under 20, is they don't just hire their standard muscle. So like fighters and former police or military, wherever they're usually getting their strong arm from, they'll actually go to the sex workers in the city um, and hire them to break the strike line. So women essentially fighting women or attacking other women. And they will walk up to a strike line in front of, say, the Triangle Factory and just start fighting with them. And then the police were on hand to arrest the strikers for agitation and disturbing the peace rather than the sex workers who were actually initiating that. And so they're all kind of working together to uh, try and break these strike lines, but they can't. There's so many people who are supporting this strike that they work in shifts and they just rotate. I also found uh, some specific quotes. Basically, Leon Stein interviews survivors of the Triangle Shirtways fire in the 50s. And he interviewed Joseph Fletcher, who was the office manager of Triangle. He worked for uh, Harris and Blank for like 15 years, I think, is what what he said. Um, but this is a quote talking about he when when Stein asked him about the strikes, he says, oh, yes, there were strikes over there. But you know how things were. There was a captain at the 15th precinct. He was our $100 man, our man. We told him not to interfere. We hired real hoodlums to take care of things, real hoodlums with their girlfriends, you know, prostitutes. Men could not hit women in the pickets as they were as they walked by. Prostitutes, on the other hand, they could start fights. This is how we licked things. I don't know exactly how we settled, but we had protection from the police department. If the policeman was there and saw one of the prostitutes hitting a picket, at the worst, he bawled her out and told her not to do it again. And for the strikers, the police reacted completely differently. They would haul them off to the station, find them, throw them in prison. There's even a story of two women being sent to like a hard labor camp for a whole week. And once they come out, the tides have completely turned. Like public opinion is on their side. And it doesn't hurt that these stories are going to inspire some of the upper class women to join the cause of the working women. And they're doing so for general women's rights, I would say. This is the time when suffrage has become a big issue. And so they see this as an opportunity to unite women across the classes with a common goal in mind. And one of the main women that that gets involved with this is Anne Morgan, the daughter of J.P. Morgan. And that's not just money in New York, that's power. So this is a very powerful, wealthy woman who is bringing to the table all of that. And she's going to start bailing women out of, of prison. She'll start paying the fines on their behalf so they don't have to worry about what striking means to their, their livelihood. Because again, these fines are far beyond what they earn and they're they're designed that way and they're going to start not just striking for better wages they protest against police brutality and they're for the cause of women's suffrage a woman named dora miller she was a survivor of the fire interviewed by leon stein she talked about her experience and she said quote so they put out plain streetwalkers who used to fight us so then we we took off. We made the cutters help us pick it. So the cutters are uh, workers in the factory. 
Uh, so the bosses put out put out gangsters to fight us, and that was the practice. The interviewer asked her, so what happened when you had your teeth knocked out? And she laughs and she says, well, I think I was arrested then. And the interviewer says, and you weren't arrested for that, for getting your teeth knocked out. I think that was a question. Dora replies, oh, we used to be arrested three times a day, every time we'd been picketing. In fact, the judges used to know us by our first names and say, are you here again? After almost... I mean, almost a full year of striking when the next like high seasons coming in, factories really feel pressured to come to some sort of agreement. The smaller factories buckle, well, a lot quicker than the than the bigger ones. And they'll become union, unionized, union only factories and give in to those demands and have, I guess, more of a working relationship with their employees. Other factories, notably the largest in the city, the Triangle, does not give in to those demands. What they instead offer is a employer sanctioned union, which is not really a union. They're going to host this and use it essentially to control what workers are doing and essentially feed themselves information on what they want and how they can undermine them further. So workers say, no, we're not interested in that. And and we want to be union only. The triangle comes back and says, absolutely not. We'll just hire some new immigrants. We really don't care if you come back to work for us or not. And eventually what they come up with is that the triangle will not be unionized, but they will reduce hours and increase pay. That does not, however, resolve any safety issues, and it really leaves the men and women, mostly women, without much of a voice in their own workplace. They have nowhere to go from here. They cannot renegotiate this, so as inflation rises, they would have to strike again to then get another raise. It also hasn't addressed their safety concerns within these buildings. We're so glad you could join us for another episode. Don't forget, if you leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we will be reading those out at the end of each of our big weekly episodes, and we're researching for quite a special one right now. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Good Old Days Podcast. Podcast.